in case you're wondering, I'm scheduled to die on Friday, June 3rd, 2067. That's right, my date with death is June 3rd, 2067. You may wonder, how do I know that? I know it because I went on the internet and I found the death clock. And this death clock asked me the day and the year that I was born, how tall I am, how much do I weigh, do I smoke, is my mom alive, is my dad alive, do we have history of heart problems in our family, have I ever skydived, have I ever ridden a bull named Fu Manchu, and according to this death clock, I have 19,258 days left. Well, the truth is, I have no idea there will be light soon. There we go. Truth is, I have no idea how long I have to live. I could live much, much longer, or I could live much, much shorter. Uh, I mean, the truth is, I could leave church tonight, get in my car, drive out on a Calle Barcelona, and be hit by an oncoming car and game over on my way to heaven. Uh, I mean, the truth is I could die from any number of things. I could, I could go home tonight and be attacked by a wild, rabid house cat. We know they're of the devil. Um, and, and, and literally die tonight at home. I mean, it's, it, I mean, the possibilities are, are limitless. I could get so worked up and excited up here preaching tonight that I just kind of work myself up in a frenzy and have a heart attack and literally fall over dead on this stage. The truth is, There are an endless number of possibilities of what could happen in my life. And if I were really, really honest with myself, I would recognize just how brief my time on earth really is. I mean, the truth for all of us is unless Jesus returns and, and, and gathers us to himself in the sky, all of us, every person here tonight has a terminal disease called mortality. And right now, the current death rate in America for people with this disease is 100%. All of us are going to die. All of us. And so what I wanted to do today and and for the next few weeks is we're going to begin a brand new series that I really feel has the potential to change your life. I really feel like, like if, if you'll grasp the concept and, and what God is going to speak through this series over the next four weeks, it'll have an ability to impact you in a very radical way. The title of this series is 30 Days to Live. 30 Days to Live. And the theme that I want to pose to you tonight is how radically different would your life be if you knew you had 30 days to live. Like, what would you do differently if you only had 30 days to live? What what would your choices be like if you had 30 days to live? I, I think all of us, we need to recognize the truth that our time is very, very limited. I heard a a story about a husband and wife that were at the hospital. The husband developed a pretty serious illness and and, and was sick. And they went to the doctor, and the doctor is examining him and found out that it was something very serious. And he said to the wife, can I I speak to you in my office? And the wife said, sure, went to the office. And the doctor says, I don't know how to break this to you, but your husband has six months to live. But there's hope. There's a chance he can be cured, but what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to go home, and every day you're going to have to make him three meals a day in a very specific way. 
And you're going to have to be intimate with him once a day for the next six months. And if you do this, there's a chance that he can recover and be healed from this illness. And so the wife said, well, let me go talk to my husband. And she goes to the, to the room with her husband, and her husband looks at her, and he says, well, what did the doctor say? And she said, honey, the doctor said, you're going to die. <laughs> I know that is a terrible joke. I mean, that is not funny at all, and I don't know what the point of it is. Uh, it, what's funny to me is all of you knew the punchline before I even got there. I don't know what that means. Maybe we'll analyze that another night, but... The reality is our time is very, very brief. It's limited. That's the truth for every single one of us. And the idea for this series came to me a few years ago. I taught this, and God's really put it on my heart again to kind of rewrite it and and bring it back because we live in such a chaotic pace of life today. And it was really born in my heart a few years ago when I was at a season of life where it, it felt like chaos. It was like we, I was running as fast as I could from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. And I was overwhelmed and I had no time and I, I couldn't catch my breath. And life was so busy and chaotic and crazy. And I heard somebody say, what would you choose to do if you filtered your schedule through the thought of if I only have 30 days to live, what would I say yes to and what would I say no to? And the truth is, if I filtered my schedule through that, there are a lot of things that I wouldn't say yes to because they really don't matter all that much. A lot of things I'd say no to. There are things that I would say yes to because they matter and they make a difference and they have significance. What would you say yes to in your life if you only had 30 days to live. The text for the series that we're in is in Psalm chapter 39, and it's really a prayer. And it's a prayer that I hope uh, all of you ask God at some point during this series to really impress this prayer on your heart. Let this be a prayer that, that you live with on a daily basis, a sense of urgency in our life. Psalm 39 verse 4 says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me, God. Remind me. Say say that phrase with me together. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me, God, that my days are limited. How fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is just a breath. Your life is incredibly brief. It's a mist. It's a breath. It's here today and gone tomorrow. Throughout this series, one of the things we're going to do is I'm going to introduce you to a few people who doctors have given a very limited time to live. Like, apart from God doing a supernatural miracle, they have a very few days left to live. And I want you to hear their stories. They talk about their life, and they really come into terms with what this scripture really means to them. The first person we're going to meet is a lady by the name of Stacy McCauley, and I want you to hear her story tonight. Well, I'm, I'm kind of everyone's, every breast cancer survivor's worst nightmare, really, because I was first diagnosed in 2004 um, with stage one. And I came back with my nodes clean and everything, and I, I did chemo, and I, I 
did the double mastectomy. I did everything right. And, but for some odd reason, um, the cancer went to the lymph node behind my breastbone, which is practically unheard of. And so it was allowed to grow there for several years. It didn't cause me any problems. And now it's in my bones, so I'm considered stage four. And um, unless there's a miracle, you know, I'm gonna be going home soon. And I'm kind of double-minded about it because there's part of me that is kind of excited in a weird way, you know, because I'm, I'm, I know where I'm going and it's gonna be a great place. And then, but there's this other part of me that's not ready to go yet. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm too young. And I feel for the people that I'm leaving behind, you know, especially my girls. <sighs> Probably not gonna see them grow up, you know. I feel cheated out of grandbabies. I feel cheated out of weddings. I, I feel, you know, I'm double-minded. I have this, this, I don't this argument with myself. Two different feelings about this same thing. You know, and I feel for people who don't have a relationship with God and they're going through this. I don't know how they did it. I really don't. And I even feel for those people who maybe do have a relationship but don't really know Him. I mean, know Him to the very core of your being. Know that He is good. Know that He loves you because it, sometimes it doesn't seem like that. It doesn't seem like He's good. It doesn't seem like He loves me. You know, and, but since I know that with every inch of me, you know, that's, that's my hope and that's my comfort. And I, I really do feel for anyone who does not have that foundation. Stacy's story is powerful, and we're going to hear more from her later on in this message. But let's talk for a moment uh, about this, this theme of how brief our life really is. And what I want to do today is I want to look at three divine turning points. Divine turning points in the sense of if you'll apply these to your life, they will radically alter the course of your life for the good. They are turning points in our life. And I wanna, what I want to happen is, is we're going to look at James chapter 4 right now. And I really want scripture to inspire us to live in the moment, to, to be 100% there, present, in the moment, in the now. Listen to this as James says, verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. What is an arrogant scheme? An arrogant scheme is simply any plan you make for your life, any scheme, any plan you make for your life without prayer, without consulting God. That is an arrogant scheme. You're doing it without Him. Uh, I'm going to get this job, or I want to live in this house, or I want to move to this community. Anything you do without prayer is an arrogant scheme, and all such boasting is evil. Verse 17, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. It's sin. If you know the good that you ought to do and you don't do it, that is sin. See, I think for so long in the church, we have made sin about the bad things that you do. 
Like sin is bad. Sin is, sin is the sin of you know, pornography or the sin of alcoholism or the sin of lying. And sin is the bad things you knew. But you know what the greatest sin for a follower of Jesus Christ is? The worst sin you can commit as a follower of Jesus Christ is to not do the good God's called you to do. To him that knows the good that they should do. To know that you have been called with a purpose. You have an assignment to your life. You are not here by accident. God designed you for an assignment. To know that you have been created with a purpose. That God has given you gifts and assignment. And not to live that out. That's the greatest sin we can commit. To waste the potential God's given us. And we've got to realize our life is a mist. It's brief. It's the width of our hand. So let me give you three divine turning points that I really pray the Holy Spirit will impress upon you tonight to really begin to live out in your life. Here's number one, if you're taking notes with us tonight. Turn when into now. Turn the winds of your life into now. Because if you're like me, I, I, honestly, I have spent so much of my life wishing it away. And I spent so much of my life wishing it away. And I found myself saying over and over, when such and such finally happens, then life will really matter. When I finally get everything just the way I want it, then I'll re-engage with God and really live for him. We have these when-thens, when-thens. And the truth is, I think all of us have when-thens in our life. In my heart tonight is you will take that when and turn it into a now. What's your when-then? You know, we have single people who say, when I get married, then I will finally feel complete. Or the family that says, when we get the right house, then I'll host a small group. Or we say about our finances, when I get out of debt, then I'll start tithing. Or our career, when my career finally gets established, then I'll re-engage and spend more time with my family. Or when the kids are finally all grown up and out of the house, then I'll invest and put some energy back into my marriage. But here's the problem. The then rarely comes. The then rarely comes. When, then. I don't know what your when, then is today, but we're going to ask God tonight to turn our whens into now. Why? Because in case you haven't realized it, life's brief. Life's, life's a mist. I think, I think about one of our drummers, Joe. I'm, he's 23. I just went to his wedding a few weeks ago. I met Joe when he was six years old. It was the first time I ever went to England. I knew him as a six-year-old kid. That was yesterday. Like, I met him yesterday. Yesterday, he was six. I've turned around. He's 23. Where did 17 years of my life go? It's gone. He was just six years old. You know, one of the things my accountability partner constantly works on me about 
because I'm type A, and anybody that's type A, you, you, know, you, you know our struggle with, as type A people. We, we, we have a real struggle to live in the moment because we're always thinking about the next moment. I'm, I'm always thinking about the next thing. I, I, I'm goal-driven. Uh, you know, I'm always thinking about the future and what's coming next. That I have a hard time living in the moment because I'm always thinking about tomorrow. And so one of the things my accountability partner really works on me with is he always says this, and anybody that knows him knows that, that, that he says this often, be present, be present, be there, be really there, fully there, because I'm missing so much of my life not living in the moment, but thinking about the next moment, that I'm missing my life. It, it's passing by, and I'm not even there. So here's my advice to myself, and I would encourage you to apply this too. No matter where you are, be there. Wherever you're at, be there. Be fully there. When you're with your kids, be there. Because here's the thing. There's always going to be something you need to do. Always another app, another game, another news story, another you know, social media post. But you're not always going to have a six-year-old that wants to play with you. You're not always going to have that moment. That moment, this will always be here. You'll have this the rest of your life, but you're not always going to have the moments you have right now with that six-year-old that wants to spend time with you. When you're there, be there, be fully there. Turn your when into now. Start living your life, because if you don't, it's going to be gone. It's going to be gone. Psalm chapter 118, verse 24, look at this. What, 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 What day is it talking about This is the day. What day? This day. This moment. This time. This is all that we have. You who say, well, well, tomorrow we're going to do this and we're going to do that. You don't know what tomorrow. Tomorrow is no guarantee. All you have is this day. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to spend my life thinking about tomorrow. I'm going to rejoice in today. Embrace the moment that you have. Proverbs 27.1 says it like this. Don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. So here's the first divine turning point. To recap, turn your when into now. Here's the second thing that I want you to do. Turn your intentions into actions. Turn the intentions of your life into actions. Because chances are, if you're like most people, we got some pretty good intentions. There's a lot of things that we really intend to do, but chances are you haven't gotten around to them yet. Let's go back and look at James chapter 4 again. James chapter 4, verse 17. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. It's sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. This summer, uh, I took my family to London. And my son has been, he's six, but he's wanted to go to London his whole life, his very short whole life, because he watches all the YouTube videos of the trains in London. And he loves the subways and the underground and the trains. And, and so he was so excited to go ride the subway in London. He just, he, that was his favorite thing. I mean, it was better than a theme park for him. And if you've ever been to the subway in London, there's a very familiar voice that we all know that says, mind the gap. 
Mind the gap, please. Mind the gap. Because there is a gap between the platform you stand on and the train. And if you don't mind the gap, you're going to have a very, very bad day. And so they want you to mind the gap. Well, what I'm praying that God will do tonight is that God will close the gap between your good intentions and your godly actions. What are the good intentions that you've not gotten around to yet? What are the things that God has really wanted you to do and you just haven't done them yet? For some of you, maybe it's God's been nudging at your heart to reach out to somebody and share Christ with them or or invite them to church. Maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's somebody you work with and God's been tugging at your heart and, and you just keep putting it off like, I'll, I'll invite him next Sunday or I'll, I'll invite him you know, later or I'll, I'll talk to him later on and you just, you, you're kind of just pushing back those good intentions. Maybe it's to connect with somebody and just let them know how much you appreciate them or, or just go and encourage them. Maybe it's you finally need to join that small group that you've been intending to do for, for every, sem- every semester. You have the intention of joining a small group, and then you just don't make time, and you don't, you don't get around to it. Maybe it's to discover your gift, you know, to really figure out why God puts you on earth. You've been talking to yourself about, I need to go to Discover Course. I need to figure out what my spiritual gifts are, what, what God created me for, and kind of plug into my purpose. And you've had these intentions. Maybe it's time to finally put them into action. Find your place on the dream team and really begin to serve. Maybe you've been intending to start tithing faithfully and you just haven't got around to it yet. Maybe it's connecting intimately with your spouse. Maybe it's reaching out to one of your children that that you've been away from or or you just haven't really spent quality time with. Maybe somebody's hurt you and it's time for you to go and seek their forgiveness. Maybe you've hurt somebody and you need to go to them and make it right and ask them to forgive you. What are the good intentions that you haven't acted on yet? Close the gap. Life is brief. The width of a hand. You know, there's a story that I need to tell tonight, but it's not a story I like telling. Honestly, I hate this story, to be honest. I I wish this story didn't exist. Uh, I I became a Christian in January of 1994, and during that month, a number, or it was January of 95, a number of my friends all became Christians about the same time. Guys that, you know, we were all at different colleges, but it was guys that we used to drink with and party with and do drugs together. And we all kind of became Christians, and we all went home for the summer back to our small town in Texas. And we all kind of reconnected and were sharing kind of what Christ was doing in our life. And there was one friend in particular that didn't reconnect with us. And and I knew he hadn't become a Christian. He grew up in an atheist family. His name was Jason Olson. And all summer long, I felt like God wanting me to speak to him, like wanting me to, to connect with him and, and, and share what, what God's been doing in my life and just the, this, this hope that God's given me and just this, this life. And all summer long, I just felt this nudging that I needed to connect with Jason. I needed to go, I needed to go hang out with Jason. I needed to spend some time with him and just share with him what God was doing in my life. But you know, summer was busy, and it was one thing after another, and there's, you know, and I had all these good intentions, but before I knew it, summer was over, and I was back in college. In that fall semester, I got a phone call from one of our other friends who told me Jason took his life that semester. 
and I've got to live with that. His blood is on my hands. Because God told me to reach out to him. And I had these intentions that I never acted on. And I've got to live with that regret. You know, one of the things as a pastor, when we meet people in the hospital, one of the things I hear often is, is about their life regrets, things that they should have done, things that they should have said, things that, that should have been restored. Never let the good that you can do go undone. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27, the Bible says, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it, especially when it's in your power to help them. That's what I did. I had good news for Jason. I withheld it. I had every ability to connect with him, and I didn't do it. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow, and then I'll help you. Don't don't miss the opportunity. Turn your intentions into actions. Divine turning points to review. Number one, turn the when into now. Number two, turn the intentions into actions. And then here's the third and final thing. Turn my, turn your whole heart to Jesus. Turn your whole heart to Jesus. Because here's the problem. Too many people only turn a portion of their heart over to Jesus. They never go all in. That's a theme that you've heard come up over and over the last few weeks. God wants us to live all in lifestyles. 99% isn't good enough for him. You'll be miserable at 99%. You can't turn a portion of your life over to God. It doesn't work that way. You won't get any benefits out of it. You'll be frustrated. It's all in. Your whole heart. It's kind of like getting a flu shot. If you ever get a flu shot, basically what they do with the flu shot is they inject you with a little bit of the flu so that your body builds an immunity and it makes you resistant to the entire flu. So they inject you with a little bit of the flu so that you become resistant to the whole thing. I think that's what so many people have done in the church today. We, 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 we get a little bit of Jesus. Just enough to keep us from knowing all of him. We get a little Jesus shot to keep us from really knowing him. And, and we just kind of we, we just kind of live our life. We just kind of go on our way and we live our life and look at me. I'm I'm doing good on my own. I mean I've got this under control. I've got the job I want and the house I want and the car. And so every once in a while I'll give I'll give Jesus a little courtesy wave. Hey Jesus, how's it going? Look at me down here. I'm doing fine. And, and we just kind of go on through life and then we get to the point where I got to get a little bit of Jesus. So I so I go to church, you know it's Easter so I'm gonna go get my little Jesus shot. Get a little bit of Jesus and, oh, oh, I got a little bit of Jesus. So, oh, I'll I'll help you out, Jesus. I'll give you an hour a month. I'll I'll show up and serve you, Jesus. And then, oh, look at this, Jesus. Oh, here's a little dollar for you, Jesus. Uh, You know, I'm I'm doing good. And then we get in trouble. We're like, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. And then he helps. And then we just kind of forget about him and kind of move on with our life. And, you know, I've got a little bit of Jesus. A little bit of Jesus. Just enough to keep me from really knowing all of him.
Life is brief. It's the width of a hand. And if I can encourage you with anything tonight, it's turn your whole heart over to Jesus, your life, your marriage, your family, your career. Give it all to him. It's not enough to get a little bit of Jesus. Too many people got a little bit of Jesus and it keeps them from really knowing him. There's a story in the Bible that really haunts me as a pastor and it's in Mark chapter 12. And there's a couple of teachers that come to Jesus and they're talking with Jesus about what's, what's the greatest commandment? What's what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, well, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And one of the teachers says to Jesus, well said. That's right. That's excellent. And Jesus, who could see into his heart, recognized that he knew the truth here. But he didn't know the truth here. He had a little bit of Jesus here. But he didn't have it here. And Jesus said something that's always haunted me. Because as a pastor, I wonder how many people come to our church every weekend who this would apply to their life. Jesus says to him, realizing how much the man understood. I mean, the guy got it. You know, he'd been to church he, he, he heard messages. He knew some of the Bible. He understood. Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. I want you to look closely at the words of Jesus. You're not far from the kingdom of God. You're close. You're close. You're almost there. You, you're not far. You almost got it. You're almost there. You're close. You just don't know him personally. You're close, but you're not there that. You're you're, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You know, one of the greatest tragedies will be to stand before him one day. And for him to have to say with a broken heart, you weren't far. You were close. You were almost there. You weren't far. You got a little bit of Jesus. Just enough to keep you from really knowing him. That's why tonight I want to encourage you to turn your when into now. To turn your intentions into actions. And turn your whole heart to Jesus. I want you to hear again from Stacy because you're going to get a glimpse of a person, I think, who really understands what this means and what it's like to have a life that's very, very brief. Listen to this. In the moment, because I don't have very many moments left. And so I just, I try to enjoy every moment. And, um... Even in the mundane things, you know, I mean, that's the harder thing to do. But even in the mundane things, I try to just enjoy it. Even if that means, you know, talking to God or singing to him, you know. Um, 
But I, I try not to take anything for granted because we're, we're not guaranteed anything, you know? And I know I don't have much, many moments left. So I want to enjoy every bit of it. You, you've got to really have a relationship with him, not just religion, but a relationship with him. Because there will be something that's going to come along that's going to knock you off your feet and you're going to need him. And so I am just a totally different person than I was seven years ago. But I also think I'm a lot different person than I was in May, you know, because I am starting to number my days right and gain a heart of wisdom, you know. It's what's important. Things aren't important. Going places, that's not important. Um, family, friends, relationships, that's what's important. It really is. It's the only thing that you can really, I guess, in a way, take with you in your heart, you know? Don't expect tomorrow to come. It may not be there. You, need to, you can't wait until you're sick to start living because, to be honest with you, a lot of the time you don't feel good enough to do what you want to do, you know? You need to start living now. Now. There's no wait until the doctor tells you. You need to fix the relationship now. You need to live in the moment now. You need to enjoy yourself and the people that you're with now. Don't wait. You know, one of my favorite movies is Braveheart, and the lead character, William Wallace, has a famous life quote in history, and they showed it in the movie, and he basically says, Every man dies. But not every man really lives. See, everyone's going to die. The question is, are you going to live? Are you really going to make the most out of the moment that you have now? Are you going to take those wins and are you going to turn them into nows? Are you going to take those intentions that you've just been meaning to get to and are you going to finally turn it into some action? And most importantly, are you going to give your whole heart to Jesus? Your whole heart to Jesus. Not holding anything back. Going all in for Him. And that's, that's, that's the way I want to close tonight. It's, I just want to give an opportunity. If there's anybody here tonight that really needs to surrender your whole heart to Jesus. This may be your first time in a Christian church and you're checking it out. And, and there's something that, you know, the way you would describe it is something's pulling your heartstrings tonight. You need to know that's the very spirit of God. And he's tugging at your heart because he wants you to let him in. He wants you to be a part of his family. And you'll never regret surrendering your whole heart to Jesus. There's a lot of people that regret not doing it, but I've never met somebody who has regretted surrendering their whole heart. Now, there's a lot of people that have regretted surrendering their heart, surrendering their heart to religion. And so let me make it clear. I'm not asking you to surrender your life to religion, but to Jesus, to a God that will not fail you, will not let you down, but to give him all. And then there may be some of you tonight that you would say, you know, there was a time Jesus had my heart, but you know, my heart's other places now. It's, 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 it's kind of in a lot of different things right now. He doesn't have my heart anymore. He's not the priority anymore. And, and you need to give him your heart again. You need to give it back to him. 
And so I'd like to pray with you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or walk down the front. You don't even need to pray this prayer out loud. You can pray this in your heart tonight and God would hear it. But I want to invite you to just close your eyes for a moment. Close your eyes for a second. And if you need tonight to just really give him your heart. To really just just say, Jesus, you can have my whole heart. I don't don't want to live for myself. I don't want to miss any opportunity. I don't want to stand before you one day and, and hear you weren't far. You're so close. You weren't far. I'd like to pray with you. So with nobody looking around out of respect, if you want to say this simple prayer with me, uh, so I know who you are, would you just slip up your hand quickly and say, I'm going to join you in that prayer tonight. Just real quick. Thank you. I see that. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anybody else that'd like to join me in that simple prayer? Nobody looking around. Thank you. Thank you. The prayer is very simple. Would you just pray in your own words inside say Jesus tonight I give you my whole heart would you say Jesus I ask that you would forgive me for every area of my life that I've missed it and lastly would you say Jesus thank you for welcoming me into your family thank you Thank you. In your name, amen. If you prayed with me, I want to encourage you to do one more thing on your own. On the connection card in your worship guide, there's two boxes. One says, I'm committing my life to Christ. Basically, I gave Jesus my whole heart tonight. The other says, I'm renewing my commitment to Christ. That simply means I gave my heart back to Jesus tonight. If you made either one of those decisions, I want to encourage you to check the box that applies to you. Drop this off in one of our tithe and offering boxes. And here's the reason. We want to pray for you. This is the greatest decision you'll ever make. And we want to pray over that decision in your life. And and let me just say, we're not going to call you. We're not going to come visit you. Uh, I, I personally believe when you make that decision, the ball's in your court. We're not going to chase you down. We're not going to make you live this out. But what we will do is send you a very simple email that gives you some of the next steps of what it means to really live for him. A great thing you to do is we got these books right outside. There's, they're on the information table. It says, what on earth am I here for? After you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, this is the most important question that needs to be answered. What on earth am I here for? Pick this up. Read it. It's a very simple, short book. It'll help you answer that. And lastly, if you don't have a hard copy of the Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible tonight. It's our favorite thing to do as a church is we give away Bibles every single year because this book will change your life. It'll absolutely change your life. Would you stand with me as I pray over you in closing? I want to encourage you, uh, this, this whole month uh, is going to be just a really powerful series to introduce Christ to people in a way that they may have not ever seen it or thought about it. So think about who you want to bring next week. Uh, These messages are are really designed for people to to help them really think about the condition of their soul. So it's a great opportunity this month to bring somebody with you. I'm going to pray Psalm 39 over you. That's the prayer we began with that David wrote on Lord, remind me. And so let me just pray this over all of us tonight. Lord, Remind us how brief our time on earth really is. Remind us, God, that our days are numbered, that our life is fleeting. 
Remind us, God, that you have made our life no longer than the widths of our hands. That our entire lifetime, God, is just a moment to you. At best, each of us, God, is just a breath. So with that being said, Lord, let us turn our winds into now. Let us turn our intentions into actions. And God, let us daily surrender our whole heart to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Have a blessed week, everybody.